What's up, fam? Welcome to Love Alive Church, the podcast, where we exist to help you find family, discover purpose, and change the world. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. I hope that it's a blessing to you and your family. Let's go. So, I just want to start by saying I just thank God for just keeping us over these past couple of, of days, really, because, you know, and, and all of you all made it here in spite of what the weather forecast might have said, in spite of what different things might have might have been, you know, different alerts were going off in the service on our phones, but I don't think nobody was worried about it. We like you, we hear Jesus, amen? We hear Jesus, and we know that you're going to protect us while we're here. So, you know, uh, Pastor Rowe, he was saying about how, you know, the meteorologists really were just confused whenever they were uh, coming up you know, giving the news report, and even Pastor Nicola, she called, and she was like, I know good and well, Diane Deaton, she, she sounds like she confused in the middle of her sentences. She's just stumbling all over her words because they don't know what happened with Hurricane Barry. But how many people know what happened? How many people know what happened? Amen? We got on our prayer call. I think it was um, Wednesday night. Was it Wednesday night or was it Thursday? It was Thursday. We got, we put our, uh, in our church's group me, and we said that at 9 o'clock on Thursday, we about to bombard heaven. We about to lift up our city and declare what the Lord says. The Lord has the ability to rebuke the winds and the waves, and we are praying that, that the Lord will rebuke Hurricane Barry and that he will dissipate and he will not do what they have said that he was going to do. And that's just what God did. Amen. Amen. Some people even had jokes. Um, I think somebody posted on Facebook that, um, can you please ask Love Alive Church to stop praying for water? Amen. Talking about our last sermon, our sermon last week, prepare for water. Well, that wasn't the water we were talking about. Amen. We weren't talking about that kind of water, okay? So, uh, you know, and people kind of said different things, you know. So we weren't talking about that kind of water. And, and uh, Pastor Rowe, he was traveling, you know, from California. Many of you guys did not know that he was working in California. And he was um, supposed to be flying back um, on that Thursday whenever everything was breaking loose on Friday, on Friday, when they were saying that things were going to start. And how many people know that we got in, we pressed in, and we prayed, and I'm like, Lord, I need you to bring my husband back home. And not only do I need you to bring him home, I need you to bring him home safely. Amen. Because I knew that if he couldn't get out Friday, he probably wasn't going to make it today to service. But I want to show y'all just how good is, how good God is and how the prayers of the righteous availeth much. This is what was shown on the airport when he landed. Cancel, cancel, canceled, cancel, cancel, canceled. There was only, and it looks like it's two flights, but this flight was actually on the Delta flight. There was only one flight in the whole country that was allowed back into New Orleans on Friday night. How many people know God is good and God hears our prayers, amen? Amen. So God brought him back safely, and I just thank God for bringing him back safely to be with us here today. Amen. We're going to recap just a second about what Pastor Rowe preached about on last weekend. We know that he challenged us to not only prepare, he challenged us to make sure that we're preparing for water when it comes. Prepare, so that means that we have to get ourselves ready. He said that we needed to pursue God. We needed to go after God. We needed to make sure that we are pressing in and really pursuing God during this time. This time in our church is not an ordinary time. It is a time for us to press in and it's 
a time for us to pursue. It is not a time to be lazy. It is not a time to be lackadaisical. It is not a time to just kind of sit around and spectate, but it is a time to press in and it is a time to pursue. And not only pursue, he said that we needed to prioritize. Amen. We need to prioritize. We have to make God a priority in our lives. You know, you have to make God a priority because if you don't make God a priority, he will inadvertently go down, 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 down on your list of uh, to-do lists or your priorities. You know, so you have to be intentional about making God a priority and be intentional about spending time with him, intentional about getting up and pursuing him and seeking him um, whenever you are on your alone time. So before we dive into our word, I'm just going to give a little bit of background about what we're going to be talking about. And it comes from 1 Kings, the 18th chapter. And this is, um, you know, we went over this last week, and I'm sure you've heard it before. But just for recap's sake, we're going to quickly go through it. So it was dealing with Elijah and the prophets of Baal and King Ahab. Amen. So Elijah had King, King Ahab to summon 450 prophets. I'm not there yet. So you, can, uh, you don't have to put that on the screen just yet. So prophet... Elijah had King Ahab to summon 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Ezra and meet him at Mount Carmel. Now, Elijah at this time was rebuking Israel because Israel really had turned away from God. You know, they were deciding that they were going to worship Baal instead of worshiping the true and living God. So Elijah was saying, you know, you guys have turned your back on God, but I'm going to show you how powerful God is. So he had them bring two bulls, and he took one bull for himself. And he took one bull and gave it to the prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal, you know, he had them, he issued a challenge. He said, you know, we're going to lay our bulls on the altar. And the God that calls down fire, whether it be your God or whether it be my God, he is the God Almighty. So Elijah allowed the prophets of Baal to call down the fire, you know, challenged them to call down fire from their God. You know, so they set up everything, and they called on Baal from noon, from morning until noon. They even danced around the altar. Amen. Elijah started to mock them. He said, well, why don't you shout a little bit louder? Maybe your God can't hear you. He said, what, man, what was your God? Is he thinking it over? And one, one translation said, is he even on the road? Is your God, he on the road? He can't hear you. Amen. So they called them, they called down a fire from, from uh, Baal and nothing happened. They even cut themselves with knives and spears and blood started to gush all over them, but nothing happened. So now it was Elijah's turn. Elijah built an altar, and he placed the bull, and he had them fill four large pots of water. And he poured the water on the offering and the wood and had them to do it three more times. It was almost like he, they, he poured it one time, and Elijah was like, and again. All right, poured it, and again. All right, poured it, and again. Okay, so Elijah wanted to let them know how soaked the altar was, how soaked the bull was, and he wanted to prove to them that it was nobody but God that could set this on fire. Amen. So Elijah started to pray and he asked God to allow the, uh, the bull and the altar to be consumed. And God consumed the burnt offering and the people fell on their faces and started to worship God. And they said, the Lord, he is God. So we're going to focus on our anchor verses real quick. It's uh, 1 Kings, the 18th chapter. 
starting with verse 41. It says, uh, then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I have a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the, top of the, to the top of Mount Carmel and had bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. So the title that we're going to talk about today is Rivers Flow Through Seekers. Rivers Flow Through Seekers. So how many of you played hide and seek when you were young? How many of y'all play hide and seek? Hey, man, a few of y'all play hide and seek. So what do you do when you play hide and seek? You know, you got one per all the other people going to hide, and what is one person doing? They're counting, and then they go look for people. Amen? The seeker is the one who's looking or the one who's searching for people. To seek, and many of you guys know that I'm an educator by profession, so it helps me when I'm defining words to really look up the meaning because it helps to make it more clear. Seek is a verb, which is an action. In Greek, seek means to look for, to desire, to wish for. A seeker is someone who is looking for, desiring, or wishing for something. And we talked about rivers. That is the name of our sermon series, Rivers. And rivers flow through seekers. And I looked up the word river, and a river is an abundant stream or copious flow. And I even like the last meaning, it's an outpouring. I thought that was so good. It's an outpouring. John 7th chapter and the 37th verse says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst." Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And what the scripture is talking about is an outpouring of God's spirit. So we're going to use Elijah as an example of a seeker. We're going to use Elijah as an example of a seeker. Elijah was a seeker. He was looking for something. He was desiring, and he was wishing for a move of God. And what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to take our anchor verse, and I'm going to dissect the anchor verse, and we're going to look at it more closely to see how we can become seekers like Elijah. Number one, as we, well, First, let me go over the verse. First Kings, the 18th chapter, and the 42nd verse says, But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. So in order to experience an outpouring of God's spirit, number one, we have to make worship and prayer a daily focus. We have to make worship and prayer a daily focus. The scripture reads, Elijah bowed low to the ground. To bow down is synonymous with worship. 
To bow down is synonymous with worship. When you worship, you are reverencing God. You are adoring God. You are telling him how wonderful he is. You are telling him how merciful he is. You're telling him about how you thank him for waking you up this morning. And when you're worshiping, you're just pouring out love and you're pouring out adoration on God. And when you worship, it is not a time for spectating. It's not a time for spectating. It is a time for participation. And your worship doesn't have to look like anybody else's worship. Many times people come in here and they wonder why we have it dark in here. It ain't because we just want to have the lights off. Amen. It's because whenever it's dark and the lights are low, nobody is able to focus on anybody else. When the lights are low, nobody is able to focus on anybody else, but it's just you and God. Your worship doesn't have to look like Pastor Rose's worship. Amen. You know, he be jumping all around and doing running back and forth and stuff. Your worship ain't got to look like that. <laughs> Amen. Your worship doesn't have to look, not, nothing wrong with his worship. Amen. But your worship doesn't have to look like anybody else's. What it has to be is authentic, though. God sees and God knows your, authentic your authenticity. He knows the authenticity of your heart. Amen. So what you have to do is you just have to do it. It's not something you have to overthink. It's not something you have to work yourself up to do. It's not any of those things. You just got to be like Nike and just do it. Amen? You just have to get started. What you got to do is you got to lift your hands. You got to close your eyes. And you just got to open up your mouth. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, it's okay. We're believing that God will fill you with the Spirit if you desire that. But if you're not, you just need to open up your mouth and speak well of God. You know, everybody is in here is capable of saying thank you. If you can't say nothing more but thank you, Jesus. If you can't say nothing more than I love you, God. If you can't say nothing more but thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for protecting my children. If you can't say nothing more than that, then it is okay. You just worship your God the way that you desire to do so. Amen. And we can't be ashamed to worship God. We can't be ashamed and worry about what other people might say, what other people might think. My worship is just what people might say or think about you. Because the truth of the matter is, you don't know what that person has been through. You know, she might be doing a whole lot in her worship, but you don't know that just last night, huh, somebody almost killed her. Or she was in a car accident and God spared her life. You don't know what people may be worshiping through. So you can't judge anybody by their worship. And you also can't judge anybody by their worship if they're just standing still. You know, if they're just lifting their hands. God could have done a mighty work in their life, but it is okay. You can't judge anybody by the way they worship. So we have to worship God. Also, the scripture reads, the second part of the scripture, Elijah bowed low to the ground. And it also says, Elijah prayed with his face between his knees. And that just did something to me. Elijah bowed down and prayed with his face between his knees. How, how humble do you have to be to get down and pray with your face between your knees? How much do you have to love God to get down and pray and bow yourself to the ground and put your face between your knees? Hey Amen. I don't even know if I could get my face between my knees. Amen. <laughs> hey but I think it was also the posturing of his heart. Not just his actions, but it showed his heart. Amen. Hey Prayer is synonymous with seeking. Prayer is synonymous with seeking. When you're praying, you are wishing, you are looking, you are desiring for God to move on your behalf or someone else's behalf. 
both prayer and worship are things that you have to do in your personal time. You know, you can't just get to church and pray. Amen. Prayer and worship has to be a daily focus. Look, I knew it was going to be quiet up in here. That's okay. That's okay. Prayer and worship has to be a daily focus. Prayer and worship has to be done even when you don't feel like it. Pastor likes to say that, you know, we have to do things when desire leaves. We have to continue to press even when you don't feel like it or when you don't desire to do so. You know, because when you come up in here, this should be a time for us to worship corporately or to pray corporately. But it should not be the only time that you worship God when you get to church. It has to become a daily part of your routine if you want to grow in your relationship with God. If you want to grow in your relationship with God. Amen. If. You want to grow in your relationship with God. Many times we get here and we're like, God, I want to, I love you, God. God, I want to grow in my relationship with you, God. God, I want a deeper walk with you. God, I want to experience the spiritual gifts, God. God, I want all that you have for me. We are like that in service. But when we get home, <laughs> when we get home, do we still have that zeal? When we get home, do we still have that sense of urgency and sense of desire about what we want God to do in our life? Or are we on Facebook? Are we watching TV? Are we talking to our boo on the phone? Amen. <laughs> I'm just joking with you guys, but I, I'm serious in that we have to do it in our daily lives and not that just when we get to church. You know, we are saved by faith. We are saved by faith. That means it required nothing of you but to open up your mouth and confess and to believe with your heart. But an intimate relationship with God requires diligence. It requires diligence. Salvation is free, but an intimate, deep relationship with God requires diligence. It requires sacrifice. It's like a muscle that has to be exercised. When you exercise consistently, you build up a stamina, amen? You build up an endurance. And the same thing is true with prayer and with worship. The truth is many people get tired in prayer and they get tired of worship because they don't have stamina. Why don't we have stamina? It's because we're not doing it on our own. We're not doing it in our personal time. When you go long times of, when you go long periods of time without exercising, what starts to happen? You start to lose the muscle mass. You start to become weaker. The same thing is true with prayer and worship. You know, I can remember a time, and this just randomly came up when I was in my office, and I don't know if my sister is in here or my cousin is in here, but when I was in middle school, amen, I called myself getting involved in uh, long-distance running, <clears throat> cross-country. So I don't know what the coach was thinking, um, but I think I, had <laughs> I think I had to run two laps around the... Um, around the track. Now don't judge me because I feel some of y'all judging me right now. Don't judge me. Because look, put, put y'all out there right now and see if you can run two laps and see how long you last. But you know, I got out there and it was during a track meet, y'all. I got out there and I started to run. I took off fast and I was running. And I ran the first lap, hey man. And I got to the second lap and I started to slow down. Amen. I started to slow down. 
And before you know it, I was walking. <laughs> I actually finished walking the race and not running. But the same is true in our lives. We have to, it takes a certain amount of, 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 of diligence to practice and use stamina and have endurance to be able to build up your prayer life so that you can have more stamina, you know? So it requires you to continue to do it. Build your spiritual muscles, something that you do day in and day out. When you become weak in your spirit, man, that's when you fall to temptation. That's when you fall to sin. You're not using your spiritual gifts. Or you may be lazy in the spirit or nice, unmotivated. You know, that's when I don't want to say people are lazy because sometimes people get offended when you say they're being lazy, maybe just unmotivated. Amen. So we have to do what we need to do to keep going. An example of this is, you know, whenever me and Pastor Ro got married, or before we got married, I used to wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning, and I used to pray and intercede, you know. And actually, during, it was during my time of prayer in the morning when I would wake up, God revealed to me that we were supposed to get married earlier than what we had previously said. You know, we met and married uh, and engaged in a year's time, and we were setting our marriage day for February 2008. But one day during my prayer, God said, no, you're supposed to get married in 2007, in December. And I told him, and he confirmed it. You know, it was during that time when I had that prayer life of waking up at 5 a.m. when I first started out, you know, I would retain lots of scripture to use during my prayer. And I would pray those scriptures back to God. That's one way of praying, is praying scriptures back to God. So I would wake up and I would pray these scriptures back to God and I would use a lot of scriptures and I would retain them and I would do all of that in the beginning. But before I know it, before I knew it, life started to happen. And this is what happens to most of us. You know, I got married. I had kids. I started working. I was, you know, taking care of my house. And, you know, I was still praying, but I did not have that same diligence that I once had in the beginning. And before I knew it, um, many of those scriptures started to really escape my memory. And I could not recall those scriptures that I once prayed so fervently at one time. But then that's when God rebuked me and he said that you need to come back to the place of prayer. You need to press in just like you did at one time in the beginning. And now because I have pressed in and I have decided and made a commitment that, you know what, I don't feel like getting up this morning at 4 or 4.30 in the morning, but I'm going to get up because I want to see the fruit in my life. I want to see God stir up the spiritual gifts. I want to see God move like he's never moved before. So I started to get up and I can see that those scriptures are coming back. And I know that God is continually working and doing a work through me. Amen. Number two, to receive an outpouring of God's spirit, you have to show persistence and diligence in spite of what you see. You have to show persistence and diligence in spite of what you see. The scripture says, then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked. Then he returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. You have to keep going even when it looks like nothing is happening. Yeah. 
The scripture doesn't explicitly say, but I believe that every time Elijah's servant came back to him with a note, Elijah bowed down and put his hand between his knees and prayed again. You know, the, the first time he said no, Elijah prayed again. He said no a second time, Elijah prayed again. He said no the third time, Elijah prayed again. My question is, how hard are you willing to go for God? How persistent and how diligent are you willing to be in your pursuit of God? Do you give up when you don't see results or when you get tired or when it gets old? Or do you press in in spite of? Matthew 7 and 7 says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. We all know the scripture that says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Just think, what if Elijah had given up after the first try? or the second try, or the third try, then there would still be a famine in the land. How many of you all quit too soon? How many times are we on the edge of a breakthrough? How many times are we on the edge of God doing a mighty work in our lives, and then we give up too soon? We have to to remember to continue to press in. We have to be like Elijah. We have to be willing to go the distance with God. We have to continue in our pursuit until we see the manifestation of what we're believing God for. Number three, to receive an outpouring of God's spirit. Ramiah, you can come. To receive an outpouring of God's spirit, you must surrender yourself and be willing to be a vessel used by God. Surrender means to give oneself up, as in to the power of another, to submit, to yield. Yield means it's not about my will, it's about your will. It's not about what I desire, God, but it's about, it's about what you want to do through me, Father God. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. And some of you all have to tell yourselves, it's not about me. It's not about me. But it's about you, Lord. It's about what you want to do. It reminds me of when Jesus was about to go through the cross and he said, not my will, but thy will be done. How many of you all will say today, not my will, but thy will be done? How many of you will say that I'm going to give you a yes in spite of everything, Father God? Just yesterday as I was working on this message and a song came on by All Nations Worship Assembly, their new album that just released, that's a plug for that. Anybody wants some worship, go get it. And it's a song that's, that's called Come and Move. And it says, come and move, we say yes to you. And during my time of worship, I started to recommit my yes to God. Even though my husband and I pastor a church, how many people know I still get scared sometimes? You know, fear still tries to grip me. Satan still tries to attack me and and try to get me to, you know, plant my feet in the ground and be still. But how many people know that we have to keep a yes 
in our mouths. We have to keep a yes on our lips. We have to keep a yes in our spirit so that God can move in this place. I want you to stand to your feet.